Today on Substances, we're talking with Katrina Johnston Zimmerman, an urban anthropologist from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She is the founder of Think Urban and has been studying how to improve public spaces throughout the country through observational research in Portland, Oregon, Phoenix, Arizona, and now Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She talked to us about urban anthropology and how she believes women-led collaborative projects could be the key to a third wave of urbanism. Tune in to listen to our conversation. So could you just begin by telling me a bit about yourself? Um, so I am an urban anthropologist and a consultant. Um, I have worked for a couple different companies in applied anthropology and communications, uh, also research. And so in, in the past year, I have gone solo uh, in order to focus on doing applied research in uh, human behavior on, in public space. Um, I also have a podcast. Uh, I write a lot and sort of advocate for certain things on social media. And I am shortly starting the Women-Led Cities Initiative project. Yeah, that's so great. I was actually reading some of your articles, um, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, they're great. Um, but would you mind explaining a bit what urban anthropology means to our listeners? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I guess I was inspired by uh, William H. White. And so if people know about him, he's also known as Holly White. He did a really great research project uh, in New York City during the 70s and 80s. And uh, basically what he did is a lot of what applied anthropology is that I try to do today, but isn't quite normalized yet. Um, so the research methods that he put in place were things like direct observation, videography, um, photo surveys, uh, sort of casual interviews, um, but just a lot of analysis of, you know, the relationship between human behavior and urban form. And uh, so I come from an anthropology background, which also gives me the ability to understand uh, just sort of humans, culture, and um, development over time in other urban environments, too. So I kind of have a bit of this, like, long view of human evolution, as well as uh, how we used to survive, hunter-gatherers, early cities, other cultures and cultural contexts and public space. And then sort of take all of that, wrap it into looking at contemporary cities and think about how we can improve them for human beings. Oh, that sounds really cool. Um, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I so. Um, so then how does that work into the women-led cities initiative that you were just talking about? Yeah. So it kind of does seem a little bit like a stretch. Um, or maybe to some people it does, but, uh, essentially I was thinking about, um, you know, everybody in the urbanism movement since the sixties has sort of realized that our cities are quite bad for us in some ways. Uh, and it depends on where you are. Uh, it's worse or better in different places, of course. Um, and it also depends on who you are in an urban environment, which is incredibly important. Um, and that it just varies quite widely. And so with globalization, now we have this incredible spread of information. You know, we can we can see what other cities are doing. We can talk with other people and learn from them and really actually catch up theoretically more quickly uh, than we have been able to in the past when the spread of information was quite a bit slower. Um, so hopefully we can kind of prevent certain mistakes or hopefully we can kind of apply certain aspirational goals um, that, uh, you know, and learn from the mistakes of other places. But 
I, I take this aspirational thing to heart because I, oh, I'm definitely a woman. And a lot of my, um, you know, inspiration is a lot of uh, uh, male authorship and leadership in the urbanism movement. So it, it sort of struck me that through our evolution in urbanism, so from the earliest cities to today, um, we have never really actually had women in charge of city building and management. Right. And that also includes, obviously, to that, that, I think that includes today, you know, um, even though we're kind of at a, a point where women are much better off than they ever really have been in that urbanism history. So that's like 11, 11,000 years or so, depending on where you are. So it, it's sort of interesting to think about how women are, you know, being incorporated into these processes, how they're leading these processes, how people are designing cities for women or around women or not even cities, but just even places because there are so few examples right now. Um, and if that's different, because again, if we have thousands of years of, you know, urban uh, form and, and change in culture over time, but none of that's been led by women, you know, will it look different? Would a city that's women led be different? So I'm interested in propping up women's voices and participation in urbanism, because I do think we come from a, a very different set of experiences that are beneficial to an urban environment. And I'm, and I'm very curious about answering the question as to whether they would be different places. And was there any reason you chose Philadelphia in particular? Because you have a history of working in Arizona and Portland all <laughs> over the U.S. <laughs> yes, I've kind of been all over the U.S. Um, I've traveled a bit outside of the U.S., um, not extensively yet, but uh, in, in a few different places. I'm, I'm very um, influenced and inspired by the Scandinavian region for its mm -hmm. gender equality as well. Um, but in the U.S., I was living in New York City where I was able to find work in my field and, you know, New York City is just really, really big. Um, it's, it's quite expensive. It's, um, it's very difficult to have an impact there sometimes. So uh, that is to say that I love it very much, but was very attracted to Philadelphia in part because of its urban form and size. Um, so it's a, it's a very walkable city. It's a very bikeable city. Um, it, the, the street, you know, structure and the urban yeah. grid that was formed a, a, quite a long time ago um, that is still very much intact in the center of the city. Uh, so I find that very interesting. And it's also very human scale in its height, whereas New York City has, has built up quite a lot in many places, um, or built out in many places. Philadelphia is, is, is quite good feeling as a human being and in, in terms of our physiology. And also in terms of the um, women side of things for this project as well, you know, there's a lot of amazing women doing work in Philadelphia. And I'm sure that's the case in most cities, too, actually. If you if you really look around, you'll find obviously there are a lot, a lot of women doing a lot of things. Um, so it's just sort of a, a perfect fit in terms of quality of life and um, the potential to improve a place as well as just access to people and resources. Yeah. So our theme at Substances this month is celebrating women. And I was just so excited when I found your uh, Women-Led Cities initiative online when I was doing some research. And as far as I know, the field really hasn't seen a lot of, like you said, women-led development. Mm -hmm. um, but what's your experience as a woman working in the field? Yeah, so that that is definitely one of the, um, <laughs> I don't want to say 
inspirations, uh, obviously, because it's a negative version of inspiration, uh, incentives towards focusing on this as well is that, you know, not only did I recognize that if you look at your, you know, bookshelf, for instance, of recognizable urbanist, um, books or your keynote speakers, for instance, at a conference or, um, or what have you, uh, company leaders and so forth, they are still mostly men. Um, and once again, when I looked around and, uh, you know, I realized that I know a lot of women working in this industry, I sort of wondered what their experiences were or if they had recognized this fact as well. And one of the things that's coming out right now, I mean, we have to mention the Me Too movement at the moment um, that's sort of taking even Europe by storm. I've been having some really great conversations with people about Sweden in particular, uh, where I currently am for a moment and um, and sort of the repercussions there. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where just like in any other industry, you don't really talk too much about these things unless it gets brought up or you maybe, you know, you have a friend who you didn't even know anything about in regards to, you know, being harassed as a woman or worse. And in uh, the urbanism industry, it's not to say that it is rampant like, um, like some others. It, it may be, uh, we just don't really know. It's not something we talk about yet. Uh, the kind of gender equity issues that have gone through Hollywood and the tech industry and things like that, they haven't really gotten to the urbanism uh, fields as they are in this very widespread sort of range of fields. Uh, so I just basically started talking to my friends about it. And I had an experience in the workplace um, that was not incredibly overt and damaging. Um, it was certainly not assault, but it was a wake-up call for me. Uh, and I realized that if I was a man, that what happened would not have happened, essentially, or at least it would be very unlikely and when I talk to other people about, you know, their experiences as well, other women um, that I know, they also had similar things to share or again, worse, you know, yeah. experiences to share. And what I think is really important about that is that that makes women drop out of things. And we're finding that now in, in all of these examples with me too, you know, many times women have left the job that they were at or the field entirely, whatever it was that they were involved in. The Me Too movement has been one that has dominated the news cycle as both women and men have come out against those who have sexually harassed or assaulted them. It has been a phenomenon that has swept through Congress, Hollywood, and even through the literary industries. Katrina brought up an interesting point, though, that is not often talked about in these many news reports. The fact that these women often leave the industry they were in, which then leads to further gender inequality. And that creates the gender disparity that we see in some fields. So you have to wonder whether the lack of women urbanists leading things or, you know, creating companies or writing books or whatever it may be is in part due to that same situation that we find in other places. Um, so that's very disheartening. It's, you know, but it's a serious question that we should be, we really should be thinking about. What I am heartened by, though, is the number of young women who have decided in urbanism in particular to basically take control of their own job or their own path uh, and start their own company. Uh, and we're seeing that more and more, I think. You know, a lot of really, really creative and collaborative urbanist, you know, creative companies um, are, are just popping up everywhere and bringing a different kind of take on building better places for people. And they often are led by 
women with some experience, you know, young women in particular, and sometimes their teams are entirely made up of, of women. Yeah. And so you would say maybe that for the future of urbanism, women are, sh- are going forward in a kind of collaborative entrepreneurial spirit, and that's the way that women should play a role more in the future? Well, I think that once people realize what that kind of collaborative effort led by women has to offer and the way in which we approach things, which again, seems to be collaborative as one of the major keywords of this, um, of this concept, which everybody says, that's the, that's the great thing. It's like you talk about women working in, um, in, in, in cities or whatever you want to call it, you know, whether it's from placemaking to housing or whatever, you know, collaborative always comes up. I love that. Um, so I think, I think that's the future. I really do think that that's the holistic take on urbanism that we need. Um, and that's where I push for this third wave urbanism concept of the normalization of, you know, a comprehensive improvement of our urban environment around the human form, around issues of equity for all people. And it just happens to be, I think, led by women. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, and I know you mentioned that there was a lot of male writers who, um, you thought about birth. Is there any one woman or many women in particular who inspired you career wise? that it's so hard because it's funny. I know other women who have had those experiences actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's always, I've always been, uh, under a, uh, an older white man, <laughs> um, in, in the workforce at, or, or in leadership or in school, uh, for some reason. Um, I will say that there have been a couple women in my life, but they're, they've mostly just been brief encounters in, in my professional career, unfortunately. So it hasn't quite, and they haven't necessarily been completely in, um, you know, urbanism fields per se. Uh, so, so yes, I have had a few, uh, women who have made an impact, but, um, and certainly I have more now. I would say I probably have more right now as well um, with working on this project, thankfully, which is one of my goals is um, on Women-Led Cities initiative is to sort of bring women together and be able to, uh, you know, share experiences and information as well as strategies. Yeah. Speaking to your past experience, you spoke at an event last year called Global Migration, Refugees and the Role of Design. And I thought that was such a cool kind of mixture because we don't really think about as anthropology and design playing a role in the influx of refugees that is coming into so many countries across Europe and the U.S. Mm. Yeah, I I mean, for me, obviously anthropology is the the study of humans. Um, And so as an applied anthropologist, it, it really is just thinking more humanistically about all of these issues that we're facing right now. It literally does you know, thread throughout our entire lives. And we're a majority urban species now. So we have, you know, over 50% of people on this planet uh, are living in cities. And that's only going to increase at a rapid rate. And I think what we're seeing, and, you know, coupled with things like climate change, which again, mm. human, you know, a, a human thing uh, on this planet as well, um, you know, we're only going to see more refugees and migrants and demand for you know, habitants uh, and, and dwellings in urban environments. So for me, speaking on that issue with regards to refugees, I was very interested in thinking about these kinds of temporary settlements, which are not too dissimilar from other temporary settlements and like the periphery of urban environments that we see today, um, and thinking about them as state-controlled 
places uh, as cities themselves. Mm. And that's not something that they have actually thought about uh, to a great length or, or not until recently, um, because we really have to come up with a more long-term strategy for the issues that we're facing more. You know, if more people are moving into cities, more people are migrating and need to be located in temporary locations, you know, why not create a system of permanent location relocation um, from the outset, you know, get ahead yeah. of a problem and instead of being reactionary, really strategically think about uh, migration patterns and human need. Because some of these people are in refugee camps for 10, 20 years. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, mean, yeah. so you can't really consider those temporary locations really uh, at all. That's that's quite permanent. That's more than I've lived in one place. <laughs> um, so, you know, we need to rethink the way that we do that we do things for other human beings in every in every way that um, we can think of. Uh, really, it's yeah. just, just what it comes down to. No, absolutely. I mean, especially because with some of these refugees, some of them are, you know, obviously crisis or war torn brought, but some of them are going to be climate change brought soon with the disappearing island nations. And where are they going to go? That too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And these are people, I mean, people living in any cities um, that you can, mostly that you can think of, uh, are stressed in some way also because urban environments are quite unnatural for us um, in terms of our psychology and our physiology. Um you know, we may have had some time to adapt, but certainly not to the, you know, megalopolises that we're seeing now, yeah. and also certainly not to the kinds of temporary settlements that, that refugees are, are settled into, especially when they're coming from a place of trauma. Now, we have individuals that are facing traumatic experiences and um, the repercussions of that in our own cities. You know, for instance, in the United States, there are quite a few um, instances where, I mean, basically every city has a location that is going to be filled with individuals suffering from trauma. Um and so we have to think about what that's doing to people and what that will continue doing to people over the course of several generations. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, it's a big issue. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for our young female listeners or anything that you want to say on the topic of refugees, your initiative, women-led cities or women in general and urbanism? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, so I, I, I love having uh, conversations with other women. And um, it's actually, you know, happened quite a bit to me recently, I won't lie, <laughs> um, because of starting this initiative. It's something that is obviously needed. And I would say, you know, it's, it's sort of like a self-care issue. You know, this this entire project really is incentivized by the election that we recently had in the United States. Um, and I really think it is accurate to say that 2017 has been the year of the woman in that sense and in many different ways. So I would say find your support network for starters. Um, it's something that some cities have already started doing. Uh, there's a really excellent women in urbanism group in New Zealand, for instance. Um, Sweden has uh, a couple different things going on. Um, I think there's one in London. Uh, there's one in New York, you know, whatever it is um, that you're interested in, bikes or just urbanism in general, you know, seek that out or uh, start your own, you know, just start a regular meetup. It's something that anybody can do. Um, just put it out there and see what happens. And I, I guarantee you it will grow quite quickly. So I'm hoping to provide resources for that kind of collaboration and that kind of bottom up grassroots um, or initiatives. Uh, that can happen anywhere um, in order to help spur this issue further. I would also say just to speak up about it. You know, I mean, that's that's really been the theme as well, I think, is just coming out and 
speaking up, uh, not only for yourself, but for these kinds of issues, if you notice that there is, you know, no woman on a committee, uh, group or in a meeting or on a panel or, um, you know, whatever have you, just say something. Uh, and the more other people hear that that is something that people are paying attention to, the more than that they can hopefully be held accountable or hold themselves accountable for ensuring that there is a level of diversity in decision making or design or management processes in our cities. Yes. And well, and I guess I can't say that it has started yet, although it will uh, there will be an article out very soon about it. So stay tuned for that. Um, but also, yes, in 2018, we will be holding a, um, basically a pilot working conference that I hope to be able to replicate. So it will be a local, uh, working conference with a select number of women in Philadelphia to basically try hashing out these issues to see what we really need to focus on and also to see where the strategy is best, uh, to focus on. Um, because again, there are so many different areas you can, uh, impact the representation or equality of women and, you know, in urbanism, like conferences or education or the workplace or policy, you know, top down, bottom up, whatever you, yeah. whatever you want to focus on. So, so we're going to see what, um, what we come up with. And then I think, yeah, 2018 is, um, we'll, we'll be, we'll be traveling a bit and bringing that around to a couple other places. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it sounds great. Good luck on your initiative. I'll look forward to be reading about it. Thank you so much for listening to today's interview. Katrina is one of these great women that we're celebrating, who is not only working towards making urbanism a more gender-equitable field, but also trying to bring feminism into the collective idea of how cities are built. Her advice to our listeners of seeking out support groups and finding women to collaborate with is for everyone and can be used everywhere. Anthropology, as Katrina says, is the study of people. So from whom better can we get this kind of advice? Katrina also has her own podcast called Third Wave Urbanism if you're interested in learning more about it. If you have females in your life that you think deserve a shout out, reach out to us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or send us an email at dosageofrepartee at gmail.com. <laughs>